This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome to the August 9th edition of the PFF Forecast. It is a beautiful Wednesday evening. Brad is uh, joining us right before his much bigger, more important show. He goes on NFL Network in about an hour. Uh, But we have a great show uh, planned for you. We're going to hit a kind of potpourri of topics here. We've got the ESPN bet news. going to discuss that. Less about like the deal mechanics and more about what it means for betting for the marketplace. Um, Obviously, uh, betting and date night etiquette needs to be talked about. If you have not seen that, we'll explain what we mean by this. Little hard knocks. Um, review very sh- short, just some takeaways, some things that I might want to bet on. We'll see if these guys can convince these guys based on the vibes that I got from them. Uh, and then last but not least, it is fantasy season. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, fantasy players who we are higher or lower on than ADP. Are there any bets that correlate to that in prop bets? It's going to be a great show. Well, let's rock. Uh, we have Brad back. Not only did he survive, he thrived. The facial hair is back. It is strong. So we feel we feel whole again, um, which is great. Um, if you are new to the podcast, welcome, member of the printing press. Uh, if you are a longtime member, you're certainly a part of our Discord. Wanted to open up and, and welcome anyone that is new to the Discord and announce to members of the printing press that have been loyal and with us for a while that we will be debuting this year something really cool. One of them is we're giving away merch. We already started that. The second is we guess the lines every Sunday night, probably the best thing about this podcast. And we are going to be opening up that competition to any member of the, of the, of the community um, with a a free to enter uh, guess the lines um, forecast contest. I clearly didn't think of the branding for the name, but that's to come. So make sure you join the the discord. The link is in the description below and also posted on Twitter. All right, fellas, let's get into it. Let's start with this ESPN bet thing. Brad, I'll kind of start with you. If you want to give a little kind of high level on the deal, I think there's been a few things reported. Um, You know, you've seen the headlines certainly, which are number one, that, that ESPN bet is now going to exist and that Dave Portnoy bought back all of Barstool. There are a few nuances there that I think are, are worth mentioning if you want to kick us off. Sure. Yeah. So the news from yesterday that uh, Penn Gaming, which owned or owned a large portion of Barstool, I think they gave $500 million for pretty much the ownership of the entire entity. Uh, they've divested their entire ownership. They've given Dave Portnoy back the company. Sounds like for $1, that detail came out a couple hours ago. Uh, and the, the deal, though, is Barstool now has a you know non-compete. They cannot uh, you know partner with a sports book in the same manner, but I think also they can't probably have a, hey, the official sports book of Barstool is DraftKings. If you want to bet, you know, go, go to DraftKings. They can't do marketing deals. And you would imagine that the biggest 
partnership they had even before Penn, their largest revenue driver of the company was probably from partnerships with sports books trying to push consumers to their book. So all those things happen, and Penn instead is pivoting. Uh, sounds like a a 10-year, $1.5 billion deal with ESPN to now rebrand all of the brick and mortar and the app and all those things as ESPN Bet. Um, that that is the new you know entity they're opening up under Penn. You know, sounds like Barstool, they were never really able to crack it. In some of the major markets, they had 4 to 7% of market share. You know, FanDuel, DraftKings, anywhere from 40 to 35 range. And obviously, Caesars, BetMGM, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, a pretty huge deal. And I think, you know, I tweeted this out yesterday, but I think the biggest takeaway, and it does tie to the podcast, in my opinion, I'm not trying to go on a, on a soapbox here, but the, the, the idea I think a lot of these companies had was, all we care about is customer acquisition. I know even DraftKings and the, and the books that are doing well are spending like 75% of revenues or some stories solely on customer acquisition. And I think they, they fail to think about customer retention. And I think Barstool is way worse than, than any of the, the books that we talk about and use where they were promoting the most exploitative bets that were stupid as could be. And I would say the way it ties this, I'll, I'll be done in a second here, is like, Look, are we the most hot take podcast? Are we firing off a billion bets? Are we talking about five units, super bombs, whatever? Like, no, because we want you to bet for a long period of time to manage a bankroll, have fun, enjoy yourself, and not just kind of, you know, come in, deposit 500 bucks and be done in a month. That's that's why we feel, you know, we, we create the content we do, because uh, that is not the way to actually be a sustained, you know, enjoyable gambler. I thought you were going to say the big takeaway was that finally, the branding of the can't lose parlay is right, <laughs> which is awesome. I love the way that Big Cat handled that. I thought it was fantastic. Um, but that that's definitely one takeaway. Uh, the second takeaway, the second big takeaway, and then I'll get in, let you, you to uh, give us some real deal spiel here. The second takeaway is that ESPN FPI and BPI um, there was some some thoughts maybe by me and some others that maybe would be lucky enough. Lucky enough for ESPN to think that they could infiltrate the, the trading desks and provide us with opportunities to, for example, bet on the Miami Heat as a 1% or 3% implied probability to beat the Celtics, which is what they had. I think a couple of years ago, they had the, the Celtics 80% to beat the Warriors, um, but it doesn't look like we'll get that opportunity. And that's that's a real bummer. Judah, what did you make of this? What were your big takeaways here? Yeah. Uh, first off, I was I was bummed that we're, we're not going to get an ESPN FBI. That was my immediate reaction. I think it's a huge, huge bet on a market that I think is changing quicker than people realize. And by that, I mean, I don't necessarily think the biggest bettors, and Brad, this is kind of to your point, are going to be betting on sports bucks in two, three, four years uh, with the exchanges that are you know popping up. I'm thinking of places like Sport Trade, Profit Exchange, Novig, all of these which are either live or about to be live those are like really appealing to the price sensitive consumers. Uh, and like, I think that people who are especially serious about betting will either move to the States in which those are located, or I would not be surprised if there's kind of movement to, to legalize uh, across the United States, maybe ambitiously getting rid of the, the wire act, which is kind of uh, right now a, a main uh, roadblock. Um, but it's a huge bet in exactly the points that you're making, uh, which is, they're not doing a good job with customer retention. I think that was kind of the uh, issue with Barstool. And I don't think if you're if you're not going to be price sensitive, which I don't think these books are, and this is a huge, huge investment. And it's basically saying we're going to appeal to the whatever it is, 17 million people that are on ESPN's site. We're going to turn them into betters. 
if you're not sensitive about keeping them uh, betting and keeping them at least somewhat profitable, I think it's just like a slower death, especially with exchanges coming up where they're going to suck up basically anyone who's especially profitable or betting a lot of money or press sensitive. Uh, and it's kind of a, a landscape I don't think people are necessarily thinking about. I'm not sure. Obviously, they, you know, it's kind of done their due diligence. Uh, I just think you're, you're running into the same issue of there's only so much that a casual better uh, can kind of handle, and there are only so many casual betters out there. Uh, eventually, it's going to run out. The customer retention point is one that, look, to be, you know, perfectly frank is the the kind of strategy that, and not to give like, you know, too much away what we're doing here, but, you know, that has been our, uh, where we think the future of the market is going, right? Because to your point, Brad, it's like early on, you're going to make the biggest um, kind of splash by getting market share. And it's going to take a while for someone to leave your sports book, right? So if you can acquire them, you get them to make a deposit. It's interesting. Like you make a deposit, you're kind of stuck there for a little while unless you, you know, spend it all and you can kind of keep them strung on, right? So you can keep giving people opportunities to stay with your sports book, but that costs you money, right? So that's all, that's all marketing spend, like not just to acquire the customer initially, but then to like keep them going with like bonus bets and all this crap. So it's a really, really good point. What, what I think is interesting is the bet here, it, I think is also in part to what will retain customers. And so I'm curious on this point because ESPN is the one making money here, right? Penn is paying ESPN about $2 billion, $1.5 billion in cash. And then ESPN is getting $500 million worth of warrants. And so ESPN is basically making $2 billion here. I would argue from Penn's perspective, $2 billion, I think it's over 10 years. Is that right, Brad? Is actually, I think, a pretty darn good deal, like a very good deal, given the fact that I think there's 117 million um, monthly uh, viewers or, or visitors to like ESPN.com or something like that. I believe I'm getting that right. But anyways, the scale that they're getting at, I think this is a really good deal for, for Penn. And the bet here, I believe, is not just a customer acquisition one, but that you will be able to retain those customers because of the content that ESPN is creating and that you're continuously seeing, right? So every time you go watch a college football game, you go watch an NBA game, you're going to see those same opportunities. They're going to be linked to the things that you're betting in your sports book. I think when you go to your sports book, when you open up ESPN bet, you are going to see a ton of ESPN content. Like we might not get bets. Uh, we not, might not get prices set by FPI, but I guarantee you we'll get FPI in the sports book, right? Like incur, you know, helping people make, um, you know, more confident and not necessarily smarter bets, obviously, but more confident bets there. And I think that that is a really interesting bet. I think it signals a, a, you know, a shift in what we will see within the, let's just call it sports betting or sports trading, you know, whatever you want to look at it. Like, how do you engage the person that doesn't, study this the way that you do Judah, the way that you do Brad, um, that is coming in. Because here's another interesting thing, and I'll stop my my TED talk after this. You mentioned it, Judah, a lot of the sharp, big betters, I want to be careful there, sharp and big betters are going to go to exchanges because you're going to get a better price. I think what's really interesting about the betting market is that you don't have to be sharp to be a big spender. Right. This is the case everywhere. Right. This is the case you go to Vegas. 
right? You go into the VIP section, you don't just see sharp players. You see plenty of guys that or and, and gals that cannot, <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. They are not sharp. Um, and I think that's going to be really, really interesting because retaining those players to me is where a lot of the revenue uh, is going to come from. So it's still casual betters, but because of our economy, because of what the U.S. is, a casual better doesn't necessarily mean they are a small better. And I think retaining those customers is going to be the name of the game. My, my big thought with the ESPN thing with retention was, and I actually was chatting about this with, with our old friend Austin Gale yesterday when the tweet came out, but like, how do you keep someone in a sports book, you know, whether it's an app or a brick and mortar in the same way you, you turn on the oxygen and you give out free drinks at a casino playing table games, right? And I think my thought was their idea was probably like you mentioned the $10 free bets or the, the boot, the boosts that all, oh, you know, you, you can, your friends can join and get better value. And I think all that stuff didn't really work or doesn't really work, but the live betting space, in my opinion, is probably still how you accomplish that. And ESPN, mm-hmm. and like, we make fun of the app and all those things, but they've been trying to pump out data to your phone as fast as possible in a live setting for sports since I can remember, right? That That's kind of been like a big piece of their infrastructure. So I, I imagine maybe that is part of the thinking there, but at the same time, you know, kind of a random thought. They also cut down a ton of gambling content when they just laid a bunch of people off. Like a lot of their top gambling, like, like, uh, you know, content producers were, were part of the layoff. So it's such a weird kind of dichotomy between those two things. Yeah. Yeah, They they brought McAfee in. So he count, he's like (laughs) such a big, I mean, that's it clearly McAfee, you knew this kind of thing was coming when they, they got McAfee. There's no way you're paying him that much unless you've got some kind of betting play because that's like, you know, his MO, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm, I'm curious how it kind of changes the TV shows and like network personalities. Yeah. And if it's like really, that can totally change the sports media landscape. Like ESPN is leaning like fully into gambling. Like that's a, that's a huge, huge shift, uh, which I think might be kind of the consequence of this. I'm kind of curious how that, that plays out over the next little bit. It just makes their, I mean, it makes the content worse because none of these people know what they're talking about, right? Like, I mean, they had a gambling show and I actually think ESPN does a lot of things really, really well. They had a sports betting show that was honestly comedic to watch. I mean, it was, it was hilarious, right? Like, and they were, that was them being serious with people that were trying really, really hard and it was a comedy show. So you're telling me that you're going to get, um, I mean, Stephen, a Matt, Stephen A. Smith talking about sports betting is going to be the greatest, the greatest content on planet Earth. <laughs> like, it is. <laughs> it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, but you can tell people that like are actually betting versus those that are not so easily. I think that, to your point, Judah, like, that's going to be super interesting. How much does this degrade ESPN's content? But I don't think that matters that much because it's all about live sports. That's the only thing that really matters. And they own so much live sports and that really is what's going to drive. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what other shoes fall from this, um, how a fan duel, how a DraftKings react. And um, to your point, Judah, what exchanges look like, you know, coming forward. I think that's a good, that's a good call out. Did, did anyone, let's close out on this. Did anyone lose in this deal? Like, is there a loser? Is the better a loser here? is you know like who who doesn't come out of this in a good spot what are the negative ramifications yeah, I would say Penn did record an 850 million dollar loss so they literally are a loser uh but um <laughs> but but I think to a degree like 
it's a solid pivot. It probably, you know, they got out. Of, they got out as soon as they realized this method was not going to work. Um, and Barstool, I think you could call them a loser, but obviously they just, you know, got him. Basically, what it turns into is a massive influx of cash with 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 strings attached, of course, where Penn would still get money if they were to sell or give out a dividend or things like that. But I don't know. In a weird way, I think you could argue everyone won and also everyone kind of lost. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I don't have any any strong take. Um, no take. I'm not. Yeah, look, I, I think I think Penn might uh, come out of this with the with the short end, but it's it's hard to know. And, and who am I to really uh, to really say? It's hard to imagine ESPN losing because they're so big, and this is kind of. Uh, I mean, they're just getting paid to basically place this bet, <laughs> pun intended. Um, but. I do think ESPN ESPN is the one making the biggest bet here, right? Just in terms of what they mean to the sports landscape, um, how this goes, I think will influence a lot of other big players in the sports uh, betting and sports landscape. Look, this is just making something that's been really, really clear, I think, to a lot of us for a while, you know, kind of uncovering it, which is people want skin in the game on sporting events. Like that's the thing. People watch them because they really care about their teams or they've got an investment somewhere. That's why fantasy is such a big deal. Right. Um, and so this is just kind of making it very clear that people are going to engage in sports by betting on it and how that matriculates through everything else, Sunday ticket, this whole stuff. So I think net, this is a win because it accelerates for betters what the, the landscape will look like. I'm glad they got it done before this year uh, happened. Okay. Let's move on from that and talk very quickly about this uh, this betting date night etiquette. Um, so here's here's let me set the table for you. Uh, you can go check this out. It's all over social media. Um, a woman posted a, a video talking about how she went on a date. Really nice guy, super uh, polite gentleman. Takes her out to dinner and is quote unquote uh, literally betting on DraftKings. Uh, according to her, during the date, is checking his phone. At one point, during conversation with her, just starts uh, like celebrating because his bet hit. He then posted a video to kind of explain what happened. He had, you know, a pretty big win with a Mookie Betts home run that didn't look like it was going to cash. It then hit during the dinner. Uh, so let's go through this quickly. Brad, let's start with you. What's proper date slash betting etiquette? Oh, yeah. I speak from the perspective of I've probably been married since gambling is legal, so it's not a first date. I think it's a different conversation. But speaking to my people out there that are in long term relationships, I feel like if you're going to do it, you basically have to say, like, all right, well, whatever. If we do hit, I'm buying shots or I'm getting us, you know, a nice bottle like it. It, it has to be everyone at the table wins. If you're going to be checking your phone at an intimate, you know, dinner setting with your significant other. So that's the way I think you have to play. You can't just be sitting there like texting your boys and, and pumping your fists, yelling at your phone about Mookie bets. I think it's a tougher sell on a first day. Cause I don't know how you, I don't know how you make that a communal event. Uh, Cause I, I odds are the date does not care whatsoever about your parlay with Mookie bets. <laughs> yeah. I like where, I like where your head's at, Brad. I think you definitely got to establish you know, a base here. She seemed to be pretty into the gambling stuff to begin with. Uh, I think you say, you know, look, I've got this one leg. Leave it out. Also, he's talking about planning in advance. you got to go to a place with a TV. You can't be checking the phone. The phone's a huge issue. It distracts from the person. But if you're looking in your peripheral vision, 
watching the TV and you've got Mookie Betts, you're like, hey, Mookie Betts just, uh, you know, got got this home run to catch the uh, the parlay. It's an exciting thing, right? You've already set the standard that, like, this is going on. It's in the peripheral, both literally and, like, you know, on our date, but it's still happening. We should celebrate. Then you can, you know, go buy drinks. But you got to prepare. you got to plan in advance. you got to know. you got to pick a place, pick the right right table where you can have clear view of the TV. I think that's that's got to be the, the first thing you do. It, you can do all those things and it's still like someone I think posted something which is like you got to find out you know if they're if they're game for that kind of thing like are they going to be you know you find out real quick whether they're a fan of uh, your lifestyle very quickly but you can do that and be uh, be smarter everything you guys said you have to get them in on it okay they have to feel like they're rooting for it as well and it's actually I think an opportunity to make a date potentially a first date kind of fun like first dates are always sort of awkward. You're asking about random baloney, like go to a fun place. You have to be able to watch the game. It's a great point. You let them in on it. You tell them, Hey, here's the thing. Like I made this bet. I made it before I knew we were going out. So like, don't, you know, think I'm doing this only for the date, but if it hits, I'm going to make 500 bucks dinners on me. Like let's root for it. Case closed, easy, done. This shouldn't be that hard of a thing. Um, this guy maybe needs to call 1-800-GAMBLER. Speaking of, DraftKings, DraftKings Sportsbook. Talk about a segue, okay? I've been, you know, a plus. Some of the transitions were a little rough. That one was not. That one was not. This season, DraftKings has launched the largest best ball tournament in DraftKings history. Ten million dollars in guaranteed cash prizes with the best ball millionaire tournament. It's only on DraftKings, and with promo code PFF, you get your first entry to the best ball millionaire contest back in DK dollars. Here's the beautiful thing about best ball: if you don't know already. You just draft the team. That's it. You draft a great team. You don't have to add players, drop players, trade, decide who to start and sit because your top scores count towards your score every single week. So you draft well and then you win. That's how it works. Teams with the most points at the end of the season will have a shot to take home a $1 million top prize. Promo code PFF. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use it to get your first entry back in DK dollars. If you have a gambling problem, call. 1-800-GAMBLER, whether they can help you organize a date, I do not know. We can do that, though, so just listen to the podcast. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Also, as a parent, make sure that if you have children, you're teaching them how to gamble responsibly, but also protect them for the future and do so. I hate to bring this up, but you might want to think about insurance. It's a decent thing, not when you're playing blackjack, but certainly when you're thinking about your family, I got to be honest with you, I think term life insurance, I'm like, there's no way I have no idea how to even find that. I feel like it's going to be some laborious, terrible, horrible experience. But Fabric by Gerber Life makes this easy. All you have to do is go online. You can do it on your phone. You can learn about what term life insurance can do for you. And you can get a quote in less than 10 minutes. You go to M-E-E-T Fabric dot com slash forecast and in 10 minutes you can have an affordable term life insurance policy that'll set you and your family up so that you can worry about the other things like how you're gonna you know teach your son how to gamble um very important stuff like that policies issued by western southern life insurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions remember that is m-e-e-t fabric.com slash forecast all right Next, next topic. We've got a little hard knocks. Did you guys both watch last night? Yes, sir. Did not. No, Judah did not. Okay, so we've got to give Judah a succinct uh, summary of what happened. 
Brad, I am very curious. You've got like, what is the headline for you from that first episode? Uh, I mean, obviously they tried to do the, the Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, like image, image cleaning and, and he's the king of New York and all his teammates love him. You know, young, old, new elder statesman that can't get enough of Aaron Rodgers. Nathaniel Hackett's the nicest guy in the world. And Sean Payton's <laughs> a big old bully over in Denver. Um, I'll say for me, though, like the biggest thing, like the coolest takeaway I could watch one-on-ones of Garrett Wilson versus Sauce Gardner. I could watch a full episode of just one-on-ones between Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. Yeah, the, the first takeaway was, oh, my God, I did not know that we needed to get uh, knee pads for the entirety of the Hard Knocks crew because of what they decided to do for Aaron Rodgers. That was unbelievable. <laughs> they were clearly like, look, we got to make him cool with telling us some stuff so that was you feel like the name hard knocks you're going to get some like you know real real that that was not it that ain't it um and so that i mean i guess that was kind of to be expected um that was like my big takeaway i was like oh my gosh this is this is hilarious i will say though that um the the takeaway that i think we can maybe leverage to 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 make some money here is this was the first time that I felt like I got to listen to um, Robert Sala in any kind of meaningful way. And I, I was impressed with him. I mean, I, I liked him before. Obviously, I'm a Niners fan. So, you know, I paid attention to him. I thought his command for the room, obviously, they're not going to show him in a, you know embarrassing situation. But I thought you could you could really tell that he resonated with the players. Hackett, I think is interesting where like, clearly he rubs some guys the wrong way. feels like he doesn't have his, you know, what together all the time, but like people love him. Whereas with Salah, it felt like there was a level of respect and his command for the room was such. So I liked, I liked that a lot. Can I just say that the most annoying thing on the planet yesterday was when they were doing the defensive uh, meeting afterwards and Rogers just made some insane throw. And the, 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 I think it's, is it Jeff Ulbrich? Who's the, Ulbrich, the D coordinator? Oh yeah. 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 He's like talking about how great the defense played, even though they got scored on and how like, there's only one quarterback in the NFL that can make this throw and he's their effing quarterback. And it's like, get me a brown bag to vomit. And I do not need this content. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Patrick Mahomes can make that throw. I'm going to go out on a limb yeah, and think. say, I think he can, he can pull that one off, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it was all to be expected. The Leo Shriver stuff was cool too. It's pretty funny. He was like, yeah, I do absolutely nothing for this show. I just talking to him. Like, yeah, uh, he flew in on a helicopter Judah and came to practice because Rogers calls him the voice of God. And it was like, they were just sitting there praising each other right. back and forth. Yeah. It was, it was a beautiful thing, uh, you know, in, in a way, but no, it was a good episode. It was interesting. And like you said, George, they're probably trying to soften him up so they get some more more content. I will say, not that I need like drama or anything like that, but the early seasons of the show, I think, were cool because it was like more journalistic and like coverage. And now it's just like mm-hmm. propaganda, which it's still cool, but it's just it's not the same like concept as the original, you know, hard knocks. Right. Yeah, it's it's very, very different. I I will say, like, I, I we've talked about this. I'm very bullish on the Jets. I think if you watch that, it's hard to, to tell, you know, what Rogers looks like. But for everyone that thought he was washed last year, I think it's it's going to be a very rude awakening for people. And you probably are starting to get a glimpse of it here if you can kind of comb through all of the baloney. Um, that team is talented, and Rogers was hurt last year. He's going to be 
a machine this year. I still think because of their early schedule, I'm waiting to bet them until they maybe it's maybe a little rough in the early going, um, even though they play well. So I think we'll be looking at a lot of the, you know, the kind of underlying metrics, right. Things like due to like drive quality and all the, the work that you've done this off season to kind of see like, okay, they're losing these games. People are, you know, freaking out because it's New York, but are they really, you know, are they kind of figuring it out? Cause I think they could be a big value, um, you know, at some point early on in the season. Yeah. I like that. I like that, uh, that take for sure. Look, I, on hard knocks, I think hard knocks is doing a disservice, you know, not interviewing some of the, the personnel that they have, you know, specifically some mm. of the analytics interns. I mean, that is content that I I'm craving. Uh, I need that quite frankly, yeah. if, if I, if I found out that was there, I would probably leave the episode and get this episode and go watch uh, hard knocks. Yeah, we'll start a interview our guy Arjun. Uh interview AJ campaign uh <laughs> for the next. I I mean I was I was hoping we'd get, you know, a glimpse, um, a peek, but not yet. Not yet. We have the 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 voice of God. We'll get the mind of God on there soon enough. Um, all right, we have one last segment before we get there. Uh this is my favorite read. Um, you know what it is. It's Manscaped, baby. Get yourself cleaned up. It's getting hot. It's summer. It's even a little humid over here in uh, lovely San Diego. And so if you're carrying around a bunch of extra hair, it ain't going to be fun, right? Just the right amount of facial hair to make it look um, nice and smooth. But you got to get rid of the excess stuff. And Manscaped makes that so easy. The Lawnmower 4.0. We even had someone in the Discord say they would buy one. Now it was in response to us wanting wanting to kick someone out who was uh, you know trying to sell stuff, but nonetheless, people love it. Okay, that's the point. Um, I love it. I use it. The Performance Package 4.0 comes with everything you need. The ultimate grooming bundle for the summer. And here's the deal: promo code PFF, twenty percent off plus free shipping. If you have some like old stuff, like I'm telling you, you will be happy if you purchase this. They also have the new facial uh, hair trimmer, which is really really fantastic. It's a well made product. Uh, so everything that they have there, I can highly recommend. I use both and um, I've been really happy every time I've upgraded. So go get yourself a little Manscaped package and 20% off with promo code PFF. Do that now. All right, Brad, you're only a few minutes away from talking to the good people on NFL Network. We're going to dive in a little bit here. People are starting to think about their fantasy drafts. And by the way, if you are PFF plus got a lot of good stuff for you, live draft assistant, all of the insights and the great minds of Timo Riske at your disposal um, live during your draft. ADP represents, I think, a pretty good view of how the market of, you know, well-learned uh, football fans kind of think about players, especially at this time of the year. Um, and it's a fun one to kind of think about, okay, who's being overrated, who's being underrated based on where they're getting drafted. So we'll start with you, Brad, a guy who's ADP. And by the way, let us know which ADP you want to use um, and kind of think about, are, are these too high or these too low? Yeah, so I just Googled consensus ADP, clicked on the first link, which I think was fantasy pros. Uh, and then I, I don't know, I'm a half PPR truther. So I was going by half PPR. If you use standard or full PPR, you're, you're doing it wrong, respectfully. Um, but anyway, that's that's what I'm going off. Well, well, Judah, what are you? Are you a full PPR guy? What, 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 what are you working with? I was, I was, I, I grooved through DraftKings. This entire process starts with, you know, DFS way back when, full PPR, obviously the way to go. 
Okay, running, for, for DFS, I think it's fair. I don't know. Full PPR, not to go on a tangent, but you get like, you know, Darrington Evans is as valuable as like Gus Edwards because, uh, you know, a two-yard catch is equivalent to a seven. Yeah, anyway, any, anyway, whatever you want to use, I'm looking right now at half-point PPR. Um, Brandon Cooks, we talked about the Cowboys a, a ton. Brandon Cooks is currently the wide receiver 40 uh, uh, on, uh, according to the set I'm looking at right now. Uh, the biggest narrative, I think, for the, for all of this is really goes back to just talking about how everyone thinks Dallas is going to shift to this run-heavy team and all these things, um, uh, you know, with, with with the transition from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy as the offensive play caller. Uh, these stats come from uh, Graham Barfield, who, who I think does fantasy work, but the Cowboys were 28th in early down pass rate last year, uh, and Mike McCarthy from 2016 to 2018 was number one in the NFL in early down pass rate. Uh, it's a difference of 50% to 60%, so a pretty sizable jump. Um, you know, Brandon Cooks, too, look, was he great last year? No. Um, do I think he really cared what was happening in Houston? Also, no. The guy is just – we have uh, NGS tracking data for, for receivers – that we look at here, Cooks is still playing at the same speed he's been playing at his entire NFL career, even into last season. It's just, it's going to be way more volume. It's going to be a legitimate NFL team. He hasn't been on a real NFL team in a couple of years. Uh, and I just think he's wide receiver 40 is too low for Brandon Cooks. Like it quite a bit. Judah, what are you thinking? Yeah. So I, I was using DraftKings again. Gotta, gotta go with the, with the OG here. <laughs> What I think is super interesting actually is like cross-pollinating markets. So like looking at like ADP and like how that corresponds to betting markets. One that specifically stood out uh, was Rashad White, who was 74th in ADP total. I don't have the, the running back numbers in front of me. And then at uh, 86, we had David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Isaiah Pacheco. It's interesting because so let's use Pacheco – uh, and Rashad White here. Isaiah Pacheco is got an 110 yard higher prop. It's like 775, uh, whatever it is. Yes, DraftKings is also taking into account touchdowns and things of that sort. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is on a better offense, obviously, with the uh, with the Chiefs uh, relative to, to what should be a pretty bad offense in the Bucks. I'm gonna say Pacheco uh, again. I don't have. I'm, I'm gonna guess this is like running back like 22 or 23 or something like that. Uh, and Pacheco is a guy who clearly took over the role in the second half. Yes, McKinnon got some snaps, especially in, you know, past game, but the value of Chiefs carries are just so much higher than everyone else. Uh, and when I'm looking at who's around him, Dave Montgomery is in a timeshare. He's probably on the wrong side of that. Uh, J.K. Dobbins perennially injured. The Ravens also used tons and tons of backs. His upside uh, near the end zone is capped by Lamar Jackson's rushing ability. Matt Pacheco seems pretty underpriced to me, even despite the Chiefs' past tendencies, pass tendencies, especially in the red zone. Uh, and again, looking at the betting markets would suggest uh, the same thing. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I, I think there's a couple that that stand out to me, um, just kind of looking at at kind of the the consensus ADPs here. You know, one, I think you can look at them and you can see sort of the average. And I guess, you know, thinking about the extremes, like at least from a fantasy perspective, if you're looking kind of further down, it's like, I, I, am I drafting a player who's like a value slightly on ADP or am I drafting a guy who has a chance to be kind of a league winner, right? From a fantasy perspective, it's like, 
you either win or you lose. Like, I don't know how many places give out a ton of stuff for coming in like third place, but like you want to try and win the league. And so you need, I think, to have some shots there. You also need to realize that a lot of those picks kind of later on, you're going to, you know, likely drop at some point. So I always like to look at the the ADPs that are, that are later on and say like, where is there a guy who's got, you know, potential top 10 or top five at position talent. And then, you know, that, that's just kind of being forgotten a little bit. So a, a couple of these, I think you mentioned Pacheco. I, look at a guy like, um, uh, like Cook on the Bills and then Devin Achaney. Is it A-Chain? A-Chain. A-Chain. On, uh, on the Miami Dolphins. So uh, Cook is at about ADP like 90-ish. Um, A-Chain is at 114. Um, I think they're both really interesting from a kind of profile perspective of running back. It could catch a ton of passes and a very explosive passing offense, but also because of that passing offense could have a lot of wide open room to, to run. Both should be really high scoring offenses. I think they're really interesting, particularly from the running back perspective. You just always see guys that can potentially be, or that shoot up into like the top 10, top five um, of the, uh, of the position that are drafted way down low. And so I think trying to find and identify those players um, is really the the interesting piece. Um, any others, Brad, that come to mind? I'm talking about three of them on uh, NFL Network in half an hour, so I don't, don't want to give away any others. But uh, your narrative right there ties into two of the three I'm talking about exactly, where it's also, yeah, the, the deep sleeper gems are great, but also find a guy who's, wide receiver running back 22 that could be wide receiver running back four you know it, it in the right narrative i think that is how you should attack you know the mid rounds of a fantasy football draft yeah that's it i mean in many ways our, our same game parlay process i've got a couple mm-hmm. looking at the bottom of the list i'm not going i can't pronounce it the tennessee titans tight end uh, our chicken taco our guy our our guy <laughs> who i think is is priced as such because uh, he didn't really earn big role last year. He ran like, I, I'm spitballing. I think it was like 12 routes, uh, more than 12 routes, only a couple of times last season. Uh, so I saw something like that on, on Twitter recently, uh, which I think kind of ignores exactly this point that we're talking about, which is what if he kind of gets more work, uh, which would not be surprising, especially for a second year tight end. We've talked about development curves with tight ends. And this is a guy who seriously has the talent to be even the number one target. Uh, on the Titans, and yes, it's not going to be a necessarily high volume offense. Probably not so efficient, but in fantasy football, if you've got you know a guy with a twenty five percent target share, uh, who's certainly talented. If you look at any of the the separation metrics, the after the catch stuff, certainly popping among tight ends, and you just kind of have to play a little bit of projection of like if he gets that role, uh, which is very much possible. None of us have any idea uh, what's going on in the in the Titans organization. That could very well be in the cards. Uh, there's almost no risk here. I'm looking at ADP 150, and this guy has a legitimate shot at finishing in the top three of tight ends. Yeah, no, Austin Hooper's not there anymore. That's that's the big piece too. He kind of soaked up targets last year in Tennessee. So yeah, yeah, emphasis on just soak, not really doing. Much. Oh yeah, <laughs> got to get got to get shake the ball and get out of the way. God, what a legend! Lock of the former lock of the week legend. All right, that's our show. We'll be back with you on Sunday. Uh, reminder, go uh, go join the printing press. Get yourself some new merch. We're giving out more hats. You can check them out in there. People posting them. Um, more hats on their way to a few lucky winners. So go get yours, and we will see you in a couple of days. Peace out.